Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 313. My name is Brando. Our guest co-host for today, you see his smiling face with his amazing thin Lizzie hat. Does anybody else own a thin Lizzie hat but our, our friend Matthew Wake from AL.com and all these other rock publications? What's going on, Matt? Yo, Brando. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. I feel like you are. You're a borderline rock star. You got Marshall Amps behind you. You got guitars behind you. I mean, you're my co-host. I mean, I feel I, I will interview you later again. We're going to talk about, you know, after our interview with Bill Lewis, who is the, the, the marquee name for today of L.A. Guns. Uh, L.A. Guns has a new album coming out, Checkered Past, on November 12th on Frontiers Music. So we're going to talk to Phil. Uh, but after that, we're going to talk to you because you're the rock star of the journalist world. You just interviewed Zach Wild. Uh, a lot of stuff to speak with you about, but we got to I'm sorry. We got to get the Phil first. I hope you understand. <laughs> yeah, you're too kind, and I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Right on. So I think I see Phil popping in the in the participants page as we continue to do some episodes on zoom if you all want to watch this on youtube or continue to listen to the audio version of the podcast wherever you listen so let me just get phil in here and now we welcome in phil lewis who it seems like you're in like dracula's base like dracula's library or is that your library behind you that's right the 12th century uh dracula's library and i'm not sure what's behind it probably a couple of cats yeah, it's great. <laughs> and as we welcome in Phil Lewis from LA Guns, two things. I'll be honest with you. I had no idea that was a sheet of books behind you. I really thought that was your library. <laughs> I know. Oh. It's great. Yeah, uh, look, it, it, it wobbles. Oh, beautiful. All right. Well, we'll see if one of your cats pops out, one of mine. Matt Wake also has cats. We'll, we'll see where this conversation goes. Uh, but obviously leading the first things first, congratulations on the upcoming, you know, record that's set to be released, uh, Checkered Past. How long did you guys work on this? How long was this? Uh, yeah, a, 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 good solid, a good solid year, I'd say. Um, and uh, we uh, we did the first track uh, very quickly. Now, the, the, the thing is, this is a very different record than anything we ever did. Uh, just, just in the uh, the way we went about recording it, um, you know. Traditionally, when an, when a band records an album, they all get together in a room, they huddle, they work out, huddle and cuddle, <laughs> uh, and 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 work things out. You know, tweak songs, make adjustments here and there, and then they play the fuck out of it. They just keep going and 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 get. Uh, play it so many times that you can play it in your sleep and and uh, that's a traditional way of doing it uh this was very different because we know that you know because of the pandemic we're going to be uh um everyone's going to have to record remotely 
at the wrong place. So, you know, you know, for vocalists, it's not that difficult. Um, you know, you need a sort of decent mic and interface and, and a laptop and, and swear to God, you know, for the vocals, that, that's all there is. There are no compressors or fancy EQs or, or expensive preamps. I mean, it really is sort of entry level stuff. Um, so um, it, it, we weren't sure how that was all going to work out, you know, because Tracy was, was sending stuff over from Denmark. Um, and, and I had my stuff here in Vegas and we were sending our files to Adam Hamilton um, in, in L.A., in Los Angeles. Uh, and he was compiling it uh, and, and, and putting it together. And, and actually, he ended up putting drums, playing drums on it. So this is Adam Hamilton that was um, in the um, in the band as a bass player for something like three or four years, who's just always been a satellite of the band. He's, he's come back um, recently and played a bit of rhythm guitar um, for a few shows. And because he was involved, he's always been involved uh, with production. Um, and he happens to have his drums all set up and, and it's a great setup. We had no choice. We had to use, have to, but um, it was apparent that we would, um, it would be crazy if we didn't use Adam because he's a brilliant drummer and he had the whole setup ready to go. So um, that's the thing, you know, and, and so we does this, does this blueprint work and and so we 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 test the song and and that was uh, i'm gonna let you down um and it turned out really good you know all things considered you know with our file exchanging and uh uh recording at home remotely and 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 uh that's the psychology of that as well you know it, it, it's very different uh for, for me as a singer um, you know, not being in, in, in a vocal booth, in a studio with, with my buddies and, you know, the guys working, the faders, and it was just me. And um, so it, it was, I had to be, well, I had the cat. I had my, 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 my Tommy was uh, my cheerleader, <laughs> cheerleader, chair, chair C. Um, so, yeah, it was a very solitary um, affair record. It's uh, it, it was uh, it was strange, you know, to do something, and then instead of the usual, oh, that was great. You'd have to wait a bit. You'd have to wait, like you know, hours, a couple of days, or whatever, uh, and and before it was all compiled and dropped in the track. And and uh, as I said, you know, we, the 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 uh, proof of concept was uh, let you down. Um, and, and we just, that was it. That was the beginning. And that, that, was, that was when we started recording in earnest, right after that. Um, once we realized that, you know, we had the setup and, and we could. And I was going to ask about that. A lot of bands and artists now, especially since the pandemic, are recording separately, sending each other files. But you just mentioned Tracy's in Denmark while you're in Vegas. I mean, the time, time difference alone let alone the distance. I mean, you're right. So you, I was going to ask, I guess you kind of answered it. If you laid down a vocal track, when, would you hear from Tracy the next day? Would you ever, was there any sort of immediate response? Did that get frustrating at all? Or it just was what it was? 
you know, unless it was something very specific, you know, it was just like, you know, we're working on a chorus and it's like, do you like this version or do you like that version? No, for the most part, it was like everybody did their part, you know. Tracy wrote this stuff like almost two years ago. You know, he, he knocked it out in a few weeks. Uh, he, he, you know, we were um, contracted to do a record and he sits down and he comes up with 11 musical ideas, uh, song structures, and then he's done. It's like, all right, my job's done. You know, I'm, I'm, come back to me when it's all recorded and I'll put some lead solos on it. Um, and it pretty much leads us to it. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it might be. Uh, a couple of days before I hear back. But, you know, I'm always going along like no news is good news. If I don't hear anything, then, yeah. Because, you know, we, we've gotten beyond, you know, patting each other on the back. Uh, we don't stroke each other anymore. Uh, we don't need to. It would be weird if we did. Uh, he does his job. He does it well. And I do mine. And I'd like to think I do too. And I think you're going to fulfill the... Um... Uh, the expectations, the high expectations for this new record, because, and Matt, you can jump in here. I mean, Matt tweets all the time about how awesome the new LA Guns has been and how your last several records have just been incredible. Like, you know, better than some, than some of your older work. So, I mean, Matt, I don't, do you want to jump in here and just talk about uh, the recent LA Guns? Yeah. Two, LA, two LA Guns, Mark 1 and Mark 2, and, and uh, Mark 2. With, this is the, the, the current um, manifestation, um, has been together for a little over five years now. Uh, and that was, you know, what we consider a reunion. Because mm -hmm. Tracy and I had a, 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 a long, long time apart. We didn't speak to each other for something like 15 years. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, when when he came back, when when we started working, when we sort of buried the hatchet and got back to working together, we both developed a lot as musicians and recording artists and um, and writers too, of course. And um, we still have, you know, the boyish enthusiasm that we did um, back in the good old dirty days, um, but. We wanted something a little, a little better, something a, a little, a uh, little more challenging. Um, nobody wants to uh, hear a guy in his sixties saying he's a sex gun lover in the heat of the night. Don't run for cover, because I've got you in my sight. Um, that was then. That was Mark One. That's that was that was a great time. That was, that, that was the boy band. That's when we were young, uh, dumb and full of cum. And it just, <laughs> we had a, it, was, it, was, it was a party band, you know, it was frivolous. It was, it was great. Um, this new uh, version is, is, is very different. I mean, you know, the personnel is the same, but um, it just, just developed so much. And, and um, not everyone likes it. You know, some people are, are just like, well, you know, where's the fun? You know, where's the, it, 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 it's not sleazy anymore. And, um, you know, that, that there is a, you know, it's a small amount, but there is certainly, you know, you, you, 
one can't help notice that, you know, not everybody's thrilled with it, but I am. I'm thrilled with it too. And uh, Phil, you and Tracy might have not talked for 15 years, but you're talking on this record together, brother. And um, uh, I think the music's fun because the songs and the the music are so kick-ass. Like, That Ain't Why, um, Better Than You. Like, why do you think you and your voice, the way you hit it, vocally and Tracy's riffs, the way he brings what he does on the guitar. Why do you think that they fit so good on songs like that? Or even going back to like uh, Rip and Tear or Electric Gypsy, but man, you know, on this new stuff, I don't know, it just fits good. And it, you know, rocks like a mother. Right. Thank you. Um, you know, there's something about partnership, certain partnership, you know, Mick Jagger has it with, with uh, Keith Richards. Uh, Roger Dolce has it with Pete Townsend, um, Stephen Tyler, Joe Perry. That's me and Tracy. We're, we're our, our muse. We're, our, we're, we're Cain and Abel. That's what we call ourselves. And, and I've worked with hundreds of guitar players and, and, and good ones, really good ones, and, and, and uh, you know, come away learning a lot. But nobody's ever made me work as hard. You know, when I'm when I'm working with Tracy, when we're in the studio or on stage or in rehearsal, um, I'm on my best game. I'm on my best behavior because, you know, he's giving me the best that he's got. He never mails it in. He's not half-assed about anything. Um, so, you know, a lot of the time it's just, you know, fun, rock and roll, hang, you know, jamming with the mates. It's never like that with Tracy. It's, 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 it's. Serious work. Um, we got we got some serious work to do, and, and no fucking around. Uh, and um, that's just the, the nature of the way we've always worked. And um, I like to think that he's given me the very best of himself because he's certainly getting the best out of me, the best that I've got. And and because of that, I find myself I push myself into um, push myself out of my comfort zones. Um, to do stuff and, and uh, interesting stuff that I might not have done. But uh, as far as this record goes, um, there was, if you listen to the voice in it, you know, I'm, I'm using a lot more lower. I'm singing a lot more in the lower register um, than, than, I, than I have done um, in certainly the, the, the Mark One version. Uh, the original band, uh, because it's it's just more appropriate. You know, I, I can do it. I mean, and there are, um, there's plenty of evidence of it, uh, but I tend to save it, you know, just choruses and use it more as an effect than, than just come out the gate screaming. Um, and and um, I think that's, that's, that's something that, uh, that it's, it's been interesting for me to do, you know, work on my voice, uh, on my in, as an instrument uh, since the reunion. And uh, you know, when you're recording, and, and when you're recording in isolation and it remotely, uh, you can. It's it, it's interesting, you know. If you you can, there's no one there. Uh, just me. I can experiment as much as I want, and that's what I did on this record. And and um, so yeah, you know, like. If, if, if you like my voice, if you like uh, what I've done with it in the past, I think you'll like it even more because 
it's def- definitely got, I think it's got a newer dimension. Some, there's something different. Something gets a little bit better with each of these records, each of these reunion records. And, you know, boyish enthusiasm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm guilty of that. But I honestly think this is the best thing we've ever done. And I know you can look up interviews and Phil, you said, you've said this five times, but it's true. I really do feel that um, I'm excited about it. And, and already the response, you know, the people that heard it, it's just been like overwhelmingly enthusiastic. And you can't buy that. You should feel that way every single time. That's what you strive for. This is the best that I've ever done. And- I think so. I think so too, you know, because I'm, I'm often, you know, criticized for, for saying that. Um, if, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like spiff it up or something, but it, it is true. And it's certainly true with all of these three um, reunions, post reunion uh, releases, because they, they're great. And, and uh, yeah, I know. I know the sleaze factor isn't quite as prevalent, but you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's plenty funny. You know, it's it's not it, we're not we're not you know we're not trying to be Iron Maiden. You know, we've we've still we've definitely retained our humor. And a perfect a perfect example of that. Let me see. Can you see my background now? It's no, I you. do. I see in in the overalls. So yeah, you have a fun Dexy's Midnight Runners kind of vibe in the new <laughs> new uh, video. I mean, for- you know, people say Dexy's Midnight Runners. Do you realize that was 50 years ago? And, right. and yet somehow that, that imagery has, has sustained half a century. Right. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. Um, you know, the reason I'm wearing that, because I'm, I'm, I'm making a point. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm dressing down because, well, you saw the Cannonball video, didn't you? Pirate. Mm-hmm. So over the top, you know, with the pirates and the wigs and the, the jackets and the swords. That's such a busy video. Uh, I wanted this next one to be chill and, and not focus on me, um, and, but focus on, on, on the actors and, and the storyline. And, 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 and I'm really, really putting on the brakes, pulling on the reins and just trying to be. That was about, I would have done it naked if I could. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I was just, just wanted to just strip it down after the, the, the pirate caper. I gotcha. And I mean, chances are you probably are naked underneath those overalls. Nothing. Well, we should, you. Absolutely, as you can see, it's funny, <laughs> look, on that side too, there's no tattoos. It's a, all my tattoos are on the right. Oh, uh, okay. And there it is on the left. It's like all virgin skin. Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, that's, it is great. Even though you're, there's a lot of new music is more serious, but I mean, the first thing I noticed when I'm watching the video was audibly how clear and, and concise your vocals are. And then just how Tracy hasn't lost a step. So, I mean, it really is, I think is a blessing for music fans that I know human things happen. We all get in fights with, with family, with friends, bands, obviously, but it's, it's like we're brothers. It's a brotherly thing. You know, it, you know we're both only children. And, and we sort of adopted each other as, as, as the uh, soul brothers um, 40, uh, 35 years ago. And, and uh, I don't have that connection with anyone. And I, I know he doesn't um, either. So it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we buried it. And, and it's funny, you know, after all that time apart, um, it really didn't take us long to get right back up to speed. And I was like, we were both like, 
what, what, the, what was the problem? You know, it, and it just it just seemed so trivial. And and fifteen years, such a long time. So you know, in many ways, I think we both feel you know we've got you know we've got to make up for, for lost time, and and we certainly have. You know, we've been banging them out every two years, and and uh, they sound good. Yeah, and that video that um, Brando and you were talking about, Phil, for uh, Get Along, it's a really strong song, and it's it, it hits that spot that I kind of call the mid-tempo ballad, almost kind of like um, It's Over Now from, uh, yeah, from the Hollywood Vampires thing. Um, uh, can you maybe talk about uh, how each of those songs came together? It's Over Now, the classic, and the new um, uh, single, Get Along, which uh, they kind of, they don't sound alike, but they're both in that mid-tempo ballad. That, yeah, mid-tempo and... and, and um acoustic featuring acoustic um well i'd like you know since you, you bring it up um it's over now um has been added into our set um that we're gonna we'll, we'll start we'll get back on the road in november um and we've never done it we've never done it i mean we may have done it a couple of times like but it's never it's never been a part of our set um and I think because of this get along, I, I don't know, maybe it, it, subconsciously it, it, it triggered it triggered us, triggered me to think, Tracy, we've never done it. And people, and people are always asking for it. Let's try it. Let's see what it sounds like. Um, so I'll let you know, you know, because we, it's a song we haven't done. Um, and it's, it's funny because... We've never done Get Along. We've never done Cannibal. None of these songs on this record we've done live. That's not true. There's one. We did uh, Let You Down. We were doing a live stream after we recorded it. And, and we, it's the first thing off the, the only thing off the album that we played live. And, and we nailed it. And it was great. But it, it's really strange, you know, because cause it's not the traditional way of doing it. But by the time we record, as I was saying earlier, when I started, uh, you, you've sung a song a hundred times before you record it. I've never sung them songs. I mean, I've sung them a hundred times here. I've never sung them with a band. So isn't that strange? Isn't that, that's really weird. Um, but anyway, um, what I thought when I first heard it, um, Get Along, it, it reminded me of something off of the Led Zeppelin three record. You know, with the, uh, it's, it's, that record for me was, was, was when the guys uh, did a kind of a, a rock folk fusion. And, and in many ways, um, like that Ballad of Jane, it, it, it's fair to say that that might be a, a rock country um, hybrid because, because it's mixing those two. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely a, a, a new direction musically in a folky direction. And it almost sounds, you know, it sounds, the beginning part sounds like mandolins, but it, it's not. It's actually Tracy playing 12 string high up the neck. Uh, and it just sounds beautiful and it's just got this freshness to it. And it's just like, you almost expect Sandy Denny to come in on the choruses. You know, like something from Led Zeppelin three, and and um, uh, you know, here's another song. You know, that the, there's no belting in it at all. It's just like mid, um, 
mid-octave, mid-range singing, um, and and enjoyable. I mean, I can do it on my head. I could could do that every night for a year. Um, It's easy. And, uh, but it's, it's got personality uh, and, and, you know, you can hear the words, which is um, uh, quite unusual these days. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and the words are good. It's, it's a, uh, it's an inspirational song about, you know, when things haven't worked out uh, and you move along, just get on with it get along with it, you know, and, 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 you know, like when one door closes, another one opens. And, uh, uh, that's the message in that song. Fantastic. Right on. Uh, Matt, did you have another did you have a follow-up? Yeah. If you don't mind. Um, and speaking of your vocals, um, I was fortunate uh, enough to see, uh, LA guns, uh, on the, the last tour you came through here in Alabama and the band just sounded incredible. They gave, they played, uh, you know, the tertiary market I'm in like it was Madison Square Garden. And I always liked L.A. Guns before then, but I loved you guys after that. And um, so and your vocals sounded incredible. Tracy was amazing. Whole band, Ace, everybody. But um, it also made me do some digging on you and uh, going back and finding the, the records by your band Girl with Phil Collin, who went on to Def Leppard, the Sheer Greed album. It's just so cool and fantastic. Um, and I'm curious, what do you think it has that cover of Do You Love Me by Kiss on there? And right. Hollywood Tease, which L.A. Guns covered on the first L.A. Guns album. But to me, I wanted to know on Girl, what do you think made uh, what was special about working with Phil Collin on guitar? Uh, because you've worked with Tracy. He's so great. And also. What do you think kept Girl from maybe making it from beyond cult favorite to like where you guys eventually went? Well, thank you very much. Yeah, to, for, if people don't know, um, Girl was the first band that I put together uh, in my career back in 1980, like the, 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 early, the early days of the decade. Wow, he's holding uh, up the record right now. It, it was, it was a, a, a sort of a, a glam punk uh london band we we, we weren't very good um we it was just, just something we just liked to do it was kind of a hobby we were it was like you know literally it was like nirvana where you know if we went into a rehearsal room uh, and we started smashing um chords music out and, and you know calling them songs and they were terrible but gradually over a while it, it started take shape and 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 we got a, a vibe going and and um it was a it was a, a bit of a little phenomenon uh in 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 london uh at, at that time there was kind of a, a sort of a, a cool sort of a glam rock movement uh there was a band called japan who were a huge influence on it and um you know one thing led to another and before we knew it we had a record deal and all of a sudden we were a real band, you know, and, and we really didn't know much about being in a band. Um, uh, we, Jerry Laffey and I uh, formed it uh, and we needed another guitar player. Um, so we put an ad in Melody Maker, you know, the weekly rag in, in London, uh, looking for a peroxide guitarist. And Phil, Phil Collin uh, gave, us a, gave us a ring. He was like, oh, I'll build uh, a guitar and... Uh, 
I like the look of your head, let's get, get together. And he came over and he just blew us away because, you know, we weren't that good. And he'd, he'd been like doing, doing his exercises since he was about 14. So it was just, he was <laughs> phenomenally overqualified for what we were doing, but he wanted to do it. And he, he, we, he was uh, up for, you know, getting involved. And we started writing. Him and I wrote Hollywood Thieves. Because, uh, you know, like Jerry, and because we, everything else we did was all kind of chug, 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 chug. It was all chug a chug kind of stuff. And Phil came along. It was, he just, just turbocharged it. Um, and, and yeah, so we were just on the scene uh, around, um, it, we were assigned to Jet Records, which was Don Arden's, Sharon, uh, Ozzy Osbourne's wife's dad. And Ozzy was just worked, just left Black Sabbath. He was, um, just sitting himself over his first solo record, you know, like asking anyone to come and listen to it and asking if it was any good. He was very insecure about it. Uh, and and it was it was an exciting time. It was great. Band didn't last for long. We were done by 1982. And Bond, that was it. You know, I, I, and when it was over, it was over. It's fine. I moved on. I was doing other stuff. But it, the, the albums were never released. Uh, in in uh, in the states, but somehow they infiltrated over, and and it was that girl stuff that got me got Tracy interested in in, in me and and my voice, and um, and when I came over from London to Hollywood, I was like amazed how many people knew it because you know it had been ten years prior, and and you know I didn't. We didn't think that, that I didn't think that, that anybody had heard of it because it, it it was never released outside of the UK and in, in Japan. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a you know like you get bands like um, Iron Maiden and Def Leppard. You know they have a legacy. You know if 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 if, if they were one of my fine books, they'd be a, a five uh, leather bound collection. Girl was a two page poem. And and <laughs> that's all it should have been. That's all. If, if girl, had, oh my god, if it hit it as big as that ever the Ryan Maiden, I'd be livid. I I didn't. I never want that. And it was it wasn't supposed. To, that wasn't that wasn't the plan. But yeah, I mean, it, I'm glad that you know uh, the the tentacles of influence worked their way across the Atlantic and and, and infiltrated uh, the colonies. Um, it was uh, it was a, it's a very very pleasant surprise. Well, thanks for sharing that. That is fascinating, and I didn't know it. Uh, that's why I had Matt be my co-host. I was like, I had no idea about your history, and yeah, that thought process to beginnings and to what you were talking about before, how you and Tracy or you know you're meant for each other, like Joe uh, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you noticed the name of this podcast, Appetite for Distortion. So another no. uh, duo that finally also got reunited much longer than 15 exactly. years. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic, too. And, and I think it's great. Um, I'm real happy to see that. The world's happy to see that. Um, I hope they do some new music. You know, I, I think that, you know, that's a very bonding process uh, at, when, when, when you work on, on, on a song. And it turns out great. You feel good about that, and and you feel good with the partners you collaborated. Guys, I've got to go. I'm I'm on half hour schedules, and I've got somebody on the other line waiting for me right now. 
You got it, buddy. Thanks for talking to you. Appreciate talk to you again. You I'll got see it. you live, right, mate? Thank you. It. Totally lost track of time. Totally lost track of time. Because I, I know you kept asking all these amazing questions about LA guns, and we just got to the Guns and Roses stuff, which is what this podcast is. Totally lost track of time. So that's my fault. I'm sure we'll be able to get Phil on again to, because I wanted his perspective of that time period. But we just got lost in talking about LA guns and, and Def Leppard. But that's okay, I think. Yeah. And well, he, he, he had a nugget too about, you know, new music making that together. What a bonding experience. It sounds like it's been for um, him and Tracy and, you know, saying how he was psyched like everybody else was that guns was back together. And that was an interesting point that I, obviously they bonded GNR has on playing these huge successful tour, you know, shows and concerts, stadiums, but that was interesting to think of like making something new together is a kind of a cool bond too. So I, th- that was a neat point he had, I thought. It's a good segue to what we were talking about off the air and we were mm-hmm. talking about on, on Twitter. And um, again, I would have, these are the questions I guess I'll have to save for Phil Lewis part two. My, my fault. I'm the producer and host and I completely lost track of time. Uh, is that recent interview with Slash Obviously not with me because um, I don't know if I'll ever interview. A, I, hoped, I hope one day, one day, we'll see. But he did a recent interview with Odyssey, uh, the radio company. Uh, what was that? It used to be Intercom, you know, just changed the name. So it's Odyssey. So, you know, it's a real, it's a real interview. And he talks about new Guns N' Roses. And I did this. I, I spoke about this on a new episode with uh, Peter Napoliello, who was the senior VP of of promotions at Geffen during that time. And, you know, just, he knows about promotions, what they should do. And what, what upset me at the, t- at the time, and I'm still, I'm just curious about it. I'm not angry about it. I, I'm just more maybe confused. But when's like Slash is like, we, we have really yet to be in earnest to like sit in a room and create new, and, and write together. We're working on stuff that has been around. And, and to me, that doesn't bother me. That's not the point. Cause Axel brought November rain and don't cry to slash. I mean, that's just how it doesn't bother me when a, when a song was written or when part of it, it comes together, how it comes together. That's a whole separate discussion. But Matt, if you remember last year, <laughs> this will be your segue. You said uh, we were talking before uh, Phil joined. You're like, that was so off brand for you. You're always so happy. And like, you know, you were, you seem so you know angry when you were uh, tweeting. I'm paraphrasing what you were saying. But last year, last year, Slash said he has done some writing with Axel and Duff. It wasn't much of anything. It was just saying, he, yeah, they're working on stuff. So it's like a year later, and it, it could be the phrasing, his awkward phrasing maybe. They haven't done anything other than just, you know, Axel's like, here's uh, silkworms. What do you guys want to do with it? You know, that's what it seems like as opposed to sitting down. He made it seem like they were sitting down last year and maybe that's my fault for living in fantasy land so i was it just threw me off and i just got i just got upset i had to vent a little bit so how do you feel about it and i was going to ask phil you know because he if he wants the la guns could have been a legacy act i mean maybe the other version almost is kind of no steve riley was very nice on this show but still i mean you need to have the singer and the guitarist from the band i'm sorry for it to be a I like guns. That's just, otherwise you're Bobby Blotzer's rat 
and that's not rat. You know, you can do whatever you want, but I could, whatever. I wasn't going to say that to his, he was a nice guy. I'm not going to say these uh, things to his face. He, he knows the deal. So anyway, that's why um, I was just frustrated. You see bands like LA Guns, you know, and other acts, they can easily put out music, but it seems so hard for GNR and they don't tell you what's going on. So sorry, you got me worked up again with that. So go ahead, Matt. What's your, what's your thought? Thoughts. Um, okay, there it might be a, a kind of a thing where the um, the wording is maybe doesn't match up with the act. Like maybe say you know when he had stated he had been working on with Axel or Duff on stuff. Maybe they were sending files back and forth, or, you know, stuff like that. And, and where he's saying you know now he's saying we haven't been in a room together and working on stuff. Maybe just like and I think you mentioned this earlier. Maybe just the wording doesn't quite line up to the intent uh, or, um, and this is all um, mm, uh, cursory on my part, but, um, uh, and I, well, I will tell you, man, that LA gun stuff is strong. Like, and it sounds like LA guns, like, um, and, you know, um, and that, you know, bands like them and AC, the ACDC record they put out last year, it's like, particularly i mean it's like there's been a step up of some of these bands that have these long big legacies and brands and um you know uh i i gnr if they do a full album i mean there are some other people doing really strong work and it would stick out a lot if it was like i'm not going to name any names of you know very famous bands who latter day period you know they put out an album and there's two good songs and the rest is you know, that band by numbers kind of, right. um, th th it'll stick out. So they better bring it if they do one is all I'm saying. I'm sure they all know that, but they, there's a lot of ways to look at it. They know they don't re need to reinvent the wheel. They can keep doing what they're you know doing to make it sound like Guns N' Roses, but that's never been Guns N' Roses. You know, the sound from User Illusion from Appetite different than obviously Chinese Democracy, very different. And no, their quote-unquote comeback single was absurd, which was extremely abrasive and lyrics about pussy full of maggots, <laughs> which I have to like kind of swallow before I say it because I don't feel very comfortable. Earmuffs, kids, I mean, children listening to this. And, you know, it's if you weren't aware of Chinese democracy or down on the farm, their cover, you would have been like, which a lot of people were, what the hell is this? But they didn't care. Hard school comes out. Really, I mean, I think most people loved it. I, there are those Uber GNR nerds that like, oh, I liked the original ver the the demo version best, the leaked version. <laughs> I I've learned not to really get obsessed with leaked versions beforehand since Chinese Democracy because I thought we would never get it. It's because that's just not the way it was meant to be released. You know, it's just seeing like a, a a version of a book or a movie come out, and you know what? Maybe after the fact, they want to. These were the deleted scenes. These were tracks left. I mean, that's up to the artist. So I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get too uh, nitpicky there. But hard school sounded like Guns N' Roses. So it's just, you want communication. And I think that's the issue. Like if Guns N' Roses said, like I think Kiss has said, or Poison has said, we're not, who wants new music from us? And there they go out, they tour, it's successful. That's fine. Maybe you and I would love new, you know, talk dirty to me part two, 
right? <laughs> but the masses, sure. And I get it. And even when you go to a GNR show, you have somebody like me waiting for absurd or hard school or something like illusion. I'm telling you, 80, if not 90% of the crowd, when Sweet Child of Mine is played, freak out. When Welcome to the Jungle, freak out. Knocking on Heaven's Door and Live and Let Die. Two songs I don't I personally don't need anymore. They freak out. So GNR does not need to do anything at all. They don't need to make new music. So it was just troubling to hear that after Hard School comes out and Absurd comes out and he talks about that a little bit, almost as if they were throwaways. Being like, yeah, he had these songs you know, lying around and Duff and, and, uh, and I put this, our spin on it. And that's what made me like Silkworm. So whatever they did to it made me like Absurd. So I, I think it's great, obviously. But just to, again... Picking his words, I know he's not a politician, but just my guttural reaction. And I even tweeted, you saw that. I'm not going to turn full, full heel. I need to take a breath. It was like, I, it was just, we just saw an article they took in $50 million last year. I think I'm still bitter about buying that $100 sweatshirt, which I don't need. I think I've worn it. <laughs> I don't need it. Why did I buy it? Because <laughs> you freaking love Guns N' Roses is why you bought it. I know I do. I know. And then nothing of the, about my affinity for the band changed from the slashes, you know, and I'm not going to take it too seriously. I mean, I, I took it as seriously as somebody with a GNR podcast should take it. It didn't ruin my day. I was just like, really? I want them to be friends. I think more than anything else, more than new music, I want to know Axel and Slash hung out together and, and watched Squid Game together or something, <laughs> you know, or they, they went to you know, Taco Bell, they did something together as friends. Cause when we heard Phil talk about now his friendship with Tracy, I mean, that's great for both of them as people to, to move on. So it's not be the non-selfish reasons, but as fans selfishly to know that they're, they're not just doing it for the money. They're up there with love for each other, what they do and the fandom. And we, it seems that way with Guns N' Roses. It does the way they are on stage. Axel smiling. It was just that comment, even though I got a lot of responses saying, I'm surprised this caught you off guard. It caught me off guard. So that was, that was me acting all, uh, caught off guard. <laughs> well, um, uh, I, it's interesting, and even lies. So that, remember such a dichotomy to the brutal appetite, the acoustic side of lies. Um, so they're always changing. But at the center of it, you know, you have these, and what I think is really striking, the last few, this LA Guns record is very good. The last few few have been very good. Um, and like also little things like the way Phil, I mean, it still sounds like Phil. And you don't notice, oh, he's trying to sound way lower, but he picks his spots on the, the sizzle, the screaming kind of stuff. And um, challenging thing for, I put it in an article the other day talking about singers, you know. There's not a lot of slam dunk contests for former NBA players in their 60s, okay? Similarly, hard rock, not the most forgiving for a lot of vocals, whereas like Mick Jagger was always in the mid-range and he could, still sounds like Mick Jagger. Um, but it's interesting how well – I mean, Phil doesn't sound like he's lost a step but uh, to me. but um, And I guess that's a scenic route to get into. They're making these strong records. I mean – now, granted, Phil and Tracy are very talented, very talented. The people they have working with them 
even Adam Hamilton, the producer, very talented. But I mean, Axel and Slash and Duff are very talented too. And I think they could come up with something, you know, new stuff that was very strong. And um, I guess that is the thing that all of us uh, ties into what you were saying about, oh man, I, I, I hated to hear they hadn't been in a room yet making new music because they're so talented, man. Like if, if they're all, everyone's trying to bring their best and not playing hide and go seek from what they're best at, you know, you can try new stuff, but don't play hide and go seek from what you're best at. Of yeah. A favorite band of mine, the black crows did that for a long time. You're great at bluesy rock and roll. And then you spend like six years trying to be a, the freaking grateful Dead and almond brothers. But like, um, uh, I, I the new gun stuff, as talented as those guys have, as much learned they've learned, uh, it would be strong. And I guess that's kind of the thing that we're like, oh man, we'd love to hear that those three, you know, talents busting off each other. And it doesn't have to be a Chinese democracy situation where it needs to have all this extra flair to it, where it's going to take time. Why not put out a lies version, you know, an acoustic version? That's why. Wichita lineman, I hope, is on a new record. I, I would have hoped, I would have liked for that to have been on this hard school EP. Oh, cool. yeah, that'd be cool. It would have been. I, I, I think it's great because when you see that element on stage where it's broken down, it's acoustic. Axel is singing in his pocket. You know, he's. You can't judge him on those low register songs. You know, like you used a good analogy with slam dunk contests. I say that all the time with sports. You know, you're not going to see. Mark McGuire hit home runs anymore. I mean, maybe not necessarily because of steroids, but I mean, he's, he's old. You know what I mean? I'm not, Derek Jeter is not coming back anytime soon. You know, it's, but you still love these guys. And the difference with athletes, they are on a team that has to perform up to a certain level to win. And that's what they're all, you know, it's, it's their whole livelihood is, is made upon with, with bands. You just you. It's your band. You're performing. There's no necessary unless you're a music critic. You're just there to be entertained. You know, you're not there to be. It's not American Idol to be judged or anything. But that Axel can still do it. He can still do it. And especially that what could be easy, you would think, as somebody who doesn't make music. So what do I know? But to do an acoustic record, you know, why blow them away with Chinese Democracy Two or Use Your Illusion Three? Why not do similarly what uh, Doug Goldstein s- said that it was his idea with GNR Lies? Do some new acoustic songs and then do some live tracks, and bam, you got to hold over until the next album. So it's one of those, like all these great ideas. You know, I'm just like, why is nothing happening? And I'm still bitter about when Hard School came out, why they didn't have a whole back to school special about it. You know, they, they could have done, you know, tr- I still want a hard school trapper keeper. Although I guess if you buy the the sticker, you can put it on your, your old school folders, but still, <laughs> but you know, all things considered and the conversations on social media, you know, I kept them focused, but some people might just see it at a glance and, you know, I'm not an unhappy GNR fan considering where we used to be, you know, I'm somebody who never thought I would see them on stage together, Axel and Slash ever. So I'm I'm happy. I hope it keeps going. And I know what the band I know the band who I'm asking when I ask this 
can you just let us in a little bit? Can you tell us a little bit what's going on? You know, can you just, it's just so sparing and leaves all of this room for up for interpretation and our imaginations going wild. And, you know, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to get emotional when I don't have to get emotional. It's just, we're not, it's, there's no communication or enough communication, I think. But that's Guns N' Roses. And that's why I do a podcast about it, I guess. Well, it gives us stuff to think and talk. And, you know, Guns N' Roses is one of those bands, right, that they're just fun to think about and talk about because the personalities and the story and the talent and how they've, you know, their music has, you know, been a big part of our lives and really cool. Um, But I will say that a couple of bands – that uh, I wonder if they've noticed it really worked for them. Uh, like that became hermetically sealed, like ACDC, Van Halen, hermetically sealed. They don't let a lot out either. Or, and they hadn't in a long time, really, except when, hey, here's the new song. Here's the new tour. Or, you know, um, and while it's frustrating for those fans, we kind of like okay that's the way shit is with van halen that's the way shit is with eight cdc and i wonder if they're just going to go that route because you know those were pretty long-term you know thinking of van halen you know bringing roth and the the brothers back to that that worked out longer than people thought it would them coming back so but yeah man i'd i'd love uh, it'd be awesome to know what's going on behind the curtain. What's next? I, I can't. I, I can't wait for what's next. Hope there's a next. There's at least going to be a next because our our friends overseas are finally going to experience Guns N' Roses because all those dates that were canceled last year, and with traveling restrictions, so they're they're continuing. And I I would like to think as they're continue to continue, if I use a terrible phrase, that we will see more. We just don't know when. And that's fine. And, I, and Slash did allude to that there's more, I guess, when well, we do know, know there's more unreleased Chinese material based upon what leaked. And just to see what's to come from that. I guess I, it was just, I took it almost personally, <laughs> which I know I should, and that's why I'm in therapy, <laughs> that they just haven't been in a room and like jamming out together. And it's just, you want that if it's possible. And I know it's even back in the day, it wasn't like that. But I don't know. Today, it's a different GNR. It's a different Axel. Axel's on time. He's smiling. So maybe this Axel wants to hang out with the, the band. Who knows? So I think that was just more about my, uh, my fairy tale GNR book that I have in my brain. But hey, speaking of books and what's next, that's fascinating that it was Doug's idea to do the acoustic stuff for Lies, which I love that record. I love that aspect of Lies. And I'm psyched for what happens with the book you're working on with Doug, because one, Doug, uh, in my interactions with him, super nice, super cool guy. Uh, and I, you're the guy to help him tell that story. Um, so I'm psyched to read those stories, brother, when you do them. It's, um, you know, it's interesting. We talk, I talked about this a little bit with our friend Greg Renoff, who's written some Van Halen books. And, you know, I have very small experience with, uh, you know, journalism major. I had a you know, self-published book about Cape Cod that I helped somebody write, but nothing of this magnitude. And it is overwhelming, but it's got to be done. You know, just think about what I do with this podcast and all I really got to do is transcribe and shape it with him. And it's fascinating. The only thing that kind of um, 
and I'll cross that bridge. Again, I'm in therapy, so I'm not going to think about too much that could potentially go wrong. But like with the, the delays with Matt Sorum's book, you know, and you hear about it take, I think it took Su Susan Holmes McKagan, albeit her book was, it was fiction based upon some nonfiction, but it said it took her nine years. I mean, not that it's, this is going to take us nine years, but it's just like, okay, just chip away piece by piece, you know, and it, it's fun. Just when I go to sit down and, and transcribe or, or edit a conversation we have, we had, I smile. I'm like, this is a great story. This is just <laughs> cool as hell. I can't wait for people to, to read this. So, I mean, the, the goal, we'll see what happens. Hopefully we'll, my therapist, speaking of which, she gave me a, a, a rough draft goal of January 1st. We'll see if we get there. My therapist said that. She's like, you got to <laughs> give yourself a time, to, uh, a time to do this. And, and Doug wants to, he wants to do a book tour when GNR are on tour. So wow. <laughs> we'll that see if that, amazing. we'll see if that happens, but uh, you, I know have deadlines all the time. Thankfully I only, I have a loose deadline. So you've interviewed somebody who I've tried to get on the podcast. I'm still trying to, we'll see if it happens. I mean, I, it's, this podcast continues to surprise me. Uh, Zach wild. So can you tell us, tell me, because he, Doug talks about Zach Wild in the book. I will say this because uh, uh, Doug managed him for a little bit during that uh, Pride and Glory days. Wow. And what's going to be interesting about Doug's book is, you know, yeah, there'll be GNR stories, but in the approach he takes, which I think why we get along, is that he apologizes to people in it, you know, about stuff that he kind of regrets which isn't like a ton of the book. He tells things about like things that are misconceptions about what went down with guns and roses or things that he was never given credit to <laughs> a credit credit for, but there are plenty of people and things that he apologizes for. And one of them is Zach wild. It's it's, and then he talks about bringing Zach wild in and slash uh, that whole interaction, not that not working out. And so I'm curious, what did you, I haven't read your article yet. I haven't read your interview yet. Uh, did you get any of that out of Zach? Because I know you talked some GNR with him. I did, you know. Um, I guess I, I didn't dig into, you know, what the vibe was as guitar, uh, coexisting guitar gods with Slash uh, when he was kind of uh, in the orbit of Guns N' Roses about, you know, 94, 95, 93, whatever it was, I forget. But um I did. I had looked at an old Kerrang article where he said that uh, they'd written, you know, about three pieces of music and jammed for a week or two, whatever he said. And I asked him the vibe of that material. And he said um, it, he turned one of those songs into the Black Label Society Rose Petaled Garden, which I went and listened to it. And I've just, you know, recently gotten into Black Label Society. I always loved Zach's playing with Ozzy. But the Black Label Society stuff is badass. It sounds like um, Sabbath meets Dolman Brothers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the accurate um, description. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that song, Rose Petal Garden, you're like, wow, I can totally see that post Illusions tour guns. This is what that would have sounded like. And he said other songs were like that. Um, uh, you know, uh, we kind of hit it and quit it there. But, um, you know, he didn't, that's about the extent of it, but God, fascinating to think of what that would have, um, you know, those two just powerhouse lead players together like that. 
it would have been. And that's sometimes the challenges I, I find is, you know, if Zach Wilds, people might think I'm going to have him on here to talk about Guns N' Roses for half an hour. Well, here's a good example, everyone. I had the guy from LA Guns on. I think I only talked to him for, about Guns N' Roses the last 30 seconds because I forgot because I'm so focused on what they have to talk about. So that's what it would be like with Zach Wilde or any other artist. But um, I'm just trying not to give too many spoilers. I think some have already been said, but Slash is just not. He, he's the lead guy. You know, he, he can collaborate, you know, with the best of them. You know, I, you could tell that him and Richard Fortas have a great rapport on stage. But I think just to have two lead guys, two guys, that's just not, that's not what he wants or wanted. And that would have been really, <laughs> I don't know if, 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 because DJ Ashba has said he was invited to the reunion, which I don't want to believe that, to be honest with you. I'm like, I guess that would be so weird. You have DJ Ashba in his Nightmare Before Christmas top hat, and then next to Slash in his regular top hat on stage, it would have looked like a, would have looked like a carnival. So I'm, I'm glad that didn't. That didn't happen. But again, he's a lead guitar player. So would he played lead with Slash? That's just a weird, weird thing. Uh, but I don't know. That, that era, and I tell Doug, we got to get the most out of that era that we can, that you remember, because that's what hasn't been spoken about enough. We all know about the, you know, the coming up, the 80, but it, which we still speak about. But yeah, those, those quiet years when he's trying to bring in, you know, Dave Navarro and, uh, trying to make it happen. And obviously he didn't make it happen, which he admits to. He's like, I didn't make it happen. And I'll give uh, this spoiler. He's like team Brazil made it happen. So they did something I couldn't do. So I, it's anyway, I, I, it's hard for, I want to talk about this book. And I just spoke with Doug the other day about chapters and everything. And uh, yeah, it's fun. I can't wait for it to get it out. I'm glad you're able to get out your stuff in more timely fashion. See, I would be losing my mind if I was like you. I, it, it, every every article would need to be perfect, and I hit the deadline. I'm like, no, I got to do this better. I can do this better. Well, hopefully, I'm not like that with the book. I'll just Doug will be like, it's good. Let's go. Let's bring it to the uh, the publishers. Let's go. So I'll keep everyone abreast of uh, that situation, and uh, I'll keep everyone abreast if, <laughs> if Phil Lewis comes back on again. I'm gonna reach out. And say, hey, can we bring him back on for part two? Didn't get to talk any GNR because of... I was so enthralled with that girl story. And that was a perfect... Um, whatever. And now I'm hating on myself. This is what happens when I'm writing a book. Instead of me talking you through on a microphone, I'm sitting at my laptop being like, no, this is stupid. So, um, yeah, that would be... Because it would be, you know... Uh, L.A. Guns played the Cat House opening night with um, Guns N' Roses also. And I think... Maybe, yeah, Faster, Pussycat, and Jet Boy. So memories of that. Um, any kind of camaraderie, you know, competition. You know, we don't have to, people know the history and all that stuff. So um, it would be interesting to hear his take on that. Um, next time. Uh, now that I got the, all the LA gun stuff out of the way, it's going to be all GNR next time. It's, <laughs> that's what it's going to be. And you know what I'll tell you, Matt? I think why I'm, I'm so, because I told you, um, uh, off the air, I was like, did I tell Matt to join the conversation at the right time? Because I spoke with uh, David Coverdale this morning. And awesome. it, was just like, it just threw me. When I do like multiple interviews, I did David. I, <laughs> you'll laugh at this since you're a cat guy like Phil Lewis. I did my interview with, um, with David Coverdale, left my apartment to go get my 
a cat allergy shot. It's because I, I'm allergic to cats and I have three of them and they all sleep in my face when I go. And then I came back here. So I was just all disoriented. And the next thing I know, oh, half an hour. He's like, oh, I got to go. Sorry. I keep apologizing for this. I'm, I'm just, I'm annoyed at myself, man. But you know what, though? You're here. You helped filled out this episode with your knowledge. So thank you. Oh, man, it was a pleasure. Thanks for thinking of me. Uh, and like I said, L.A. Guns always liked them. But after seeing how good they were live and how they brought it, you know, uh, you know, where I live isn't New York or Los Angeles. It's not a major market. They brought it, dude. And I've, I've been a huge fan ever since. Liked them before, but huge fan now. Very cool. And hopefully you know, I'll ask you back on again if we get Tracy. I'm still trying for Tracy Guns. So, you know, maybe this was maybe this was a happy accident that I can show LA guns management that I can just talk nothing but LA guns. And then Tracy will see that and like, Oh, he's not going to ask me about the two months I was with guns and roses in 1985 for a half an hour. I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, is he annoyed, you know, still being asked, Oh, you're the guns and guns and roses, you know, for all these years. Cause he's obviously been LA in LA guns. That's his band. So we'll see. My goal was to try to get Phil and Tracy on at the same time, you know, just a little behind the scenes. So maybe that'll be next time. Who knows? Who knows what the hell is going on in this podcast? The fact that it keeps continuing and everyone keeps digging it. Oh, and that reminds me something you told me off the air. have to give a shout out to a listener that you met, a listener of mine. So tell me what to say what you said off, off the air. It was a cool story. Yeah. So where I live, uh, in Alabama, it's Huntsville, Alabama, which is near Muscle Shoals. Huntsville is actually now the most populous city uh, in Alabama, eclipsing Birmingham. Um, but uh, Enough's Enough, play, uh, known for songs like The New Thing and A Fly High Michelle, played uh, a show here with Anthony Quarter from uh, Tora Tora opening up on acoustic. Both great. Um, and was hanging out with um, Enough's Enough uh, drummer and bassist talking after the show, talked to Chip before the show, uh, the um, main guy in Enough's Enough now. But uh, long-haired young guy comes up, and he's kind of talking to the band, and he'd seen their previous show uh, here in town a couple of years prior, and they are talking about that, and with introductions and um uh, you know he let me know he's in the band and he was like, telling me the band and i was like oh yeah i've listened to i've seen the name i've listened to some of the stuff on uh spotify and it's solid um and um he's like oh and i'm like matt wake and what do you do all that stuff he's like oh yeah man i saw you on brando's podcast and this is in north alabama and um a rock and young rock and roller long blonde haired rock and roller uh, watching Brando's Appetite for Distortion. And from that, he then saw my name and would see my name on articles and would read them. But, um, man, that's pretty cool reach. And I guess that's kind of cool to hear every once in a while that you, you're you the reach, that it gets the tentacles, as Phil Lewis would say. No, <laughs> it does make me feel good. And I, and I think we figured it out before the interview that it's Mason Frost, Right. And he has a band out and Mason, I guess, recognized the, the name because he's been a follower on social media uh, for quite some time and has asked some some great questions to some of the rock stars. When I get questions from listeners and I ask the rock stars, Mason has been that guy for quite a while. And it, it is very cool. You know, I'm here in my apartment in Queens right now, or even when I was doing this in a radio studio, you, you really just think 
you're talking to. I don't even know. Like, that's just the way I've always been with radio. When I've even when I'm on FM, I feel like nobody's listening. You know, it's just always the it's so hard with a podcast. It's not like if I'm on Q1043 and then has, you know, a wattage and a, and a fan base of decades. This is just a, a random Guns N' Roses podcast that started about five years ago. And I think Mason's one of the pe first people that found it. And to know that it's not, it's Alabama, it's, it's different countries, you know, it's Canada, it's, you know, it's uh, Spain, Portugal, all these wonderful things. Uh, oh, shout out to Anna from Portugal. Uh, she was a listener, uh, early episodes, and she would actually send us uh, audio questions. And that's something that you can always do, by the way, to any listener. If you have a, a question you wanted to ask Phil Lewis or any future guests, I can read it or you can record it and I'll, I'll play it for them. You know, kind of like a live kind of caller situation. I'm getting off the phone. What is that? As my fiance shows up. Oh, you got. What does she buy me? What is this candy corn? Pumpkin candy corn. This this really actually this ties into everything together because I am. I tweeted this the other day. We talk about my Twitter. I'm a fan of candy corn, creed and Chinese democracy. Come at me, bro. I like things that are maybe not that that popular, but it is. Uh, it's just it. It just continues to be wonderful to talk to people from around the globe and then yourself included, man. I mean, we didn't know each other from a hole in the wall. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you do as somebody who studied broadcast journalism. So I respect what you do. I admire what you do. But the fact that you've been on a bunch of times, we still, you know, we'll talk as friends, you know, on, uh, on social media. So it's been this has been a nice blessing, as I keep saying that this. Uh, oh, yeah, man, it's podcast. good being buddies with you. And uh, thank you, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> thank you guns and roses even though you're frustrating at times we love you regardless so what is to come on the appetite for distortion program well matt will be on again at some point well we'll see because he's always been oh any articles you have coming out i know you have the zach wild one out now got a cool one coming out with spin soon on fill-in musicians like steve jordan for the stones uh talk to a few people well-known people who filled in with big huge bands. Um, one in particular that will be of interest to people on your podcast. Um, talk to Matt Storm about uh, filling in with Motorhead. Um, Did? Yeah. And he was very, you know, so he didn't get asked about that all the time. It's not like, I'm not like the 9,000th person go, what's Axel really like, right. you know, like, so um, he, he was great source, super nice. Um, and a uh, great storyteller also talked with Vicki Peterson of uh, the Bengals who filled in with the Go-Go's for a tour in the mid nineties and Mr. Steve Brown of Trickster who's filled in with Def Leppard and Steve, if you've never talked to him, Holy shit, what a nice guy, huh. like and great storyteller. And he's got, he was very good friends with Edward Van Halen. So he has some great Ed stories and um, there's a Ed, little nugget in this story too but um uh so that's coming the, the long awaited Vito Brada um guitar world interview is going to come out next year uh tied in with the anniversary of the pride record and um besides the nothing but a good time book it has been a long time since uh interview with Mr. Brada with a media outlet has come out um so excited about that, finally getting out there and have another thing come with spin 
uh, that I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet. And one more, uh, something with UCR, Ultimate Classic Rock, that's Guns N' Roses that I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet. Okay, look, wow, man. You are awesome. I definitely, uh, you're an inspiration because it, it's such a hard feel to get into what you're doing. And I knew that early on. That's why I was like, eh, let me try two hard fields, journalism and radio. And see <laughs> fails first. <laughs> um, so what else? Nice. Uh, something coming up. Uh, recently talked with Jeff Pilsen from uh, Dawkins and Forner. Uh, and some other stuffs for my uh, staff job here at AL.com, which uh, in the three biggest newspapers in Alabama, um, Huntsville Times, Birmingham News, and Mobile Press Register. So some more cool rock star stuff for that too. Jeez. Interviews, rock star interviews. Not that what I do is rock star, but I talk to them. Journalist rock star stuff. I don't know. You're 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 Tom Brokaw with a leather jacket. That's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had his paycheck. Yeah, yeah, don't don't we all? Very cool. So be sure to, if you're not already, follow Matthew B. Wake on Twitter for all his upcoming awesome interviews. And same thing with uh, with us. Follow us on Twitter on our new Twitter at the AFD Podcast for all of our upcoming interviews. What is to come here on this uh, six degrees of GNR bacon for Mitzvah Party of a broadcast? Well, again, follow. So when are you going to see the next episode? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.